Hey, this is Lee Snow. I'm the preacher of Orange Springs Road Church of Christ, and this is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for downloading today. I hope it inspires you. I hope it builds your faith. I hope it gives you a perspective to see what God wants to do in your life. And I hope it challenges you to a faithful tomorrow. Good morning. Go ahead and open up your Bibles to Acts chapter 4. Acts, the fourth chapter. Over the last few weeks, we have been studying the sermon series of different that um, ourselves and our our brothers and sisters over at the Phoenix City Church of Christ have been studying together. Um, Tony and I have been preaching the same topic in different ways. So it's been interesting um, just on my end to be able to uh, think about how two churches can study the same thing at the same time. But it's been interesting um, in other ways too because it's really made me have to think um, in different ways about, you know, usually I pick what I preach and I pick it a year out in advance. And then it's my decision on how I cover it. Now I've had this, had the teamwork, and I don't know if I like this whole teamwork thing. Anyway, so I'm just playing. So over the last few weeks, we've been studying the topic of different. We've looked at the fact that every single person thinks differently. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12 says, For just as the body is one, and as many members, all, the body, uh, all members of the, are the, of the body, though many, we are one body, so it is with Christ. We're different. We, in the New Testament, they had Jews and Greeks. They had slaves and freemen. They had, they had people who had grown up in metropolitan areas and, and more rural areas and so forth. Um, and when he's writing to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 12, he's talking to people who live in a city about the size of Columbus. And yet at the same time, there are some times when the people in the New Testament are seen to have been living in very small Villages out in the middle of nowhere. So we different people think differently. In the first week of this series, we that's what we talked about. The fact that each one of us can be individuals, can be our own people, yet at the same time we can be part of the body of Christ, and yet at the same time we can still come to one mind. In fact, in the same book that he wrote to the Corinthians that that everyone is different, that everyone is a member of the body of Christ. First chapter, he said that we're all supposed to be of the same mind. So we can think differently and still come to the same conclusion. That doesn't mean that there are different ways that each individual comes to those conclu- or different conclusions that each individual comes to. The fact is, if we look for the truth and we seek out the truth, you and I may think differently about how to get there. But the fact of the matter is there is only one truth and there will always be only one truth. And it is our decisions whether or not we're going to search for it. And it's on us, it's on us to, to find it. And so there, there aren't different ways to get to God. There's only one way, through Jesus Christ. But the fact of the matter is, is that sometimes we think differently. And we use the illustration of the Lord's Supper. One person may be thinking about the physical pain that Jesus was going through on the cross, while the other person is thinking about the phrase, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, why, why have you forsaken me? We, we think in different ways, we focus on different things, 
And yet we come to the same truth. We're, in, we're still of one mind, 1 Corinthians chapter 1. And that one mind is the same thing that the Bible was written to bring us to, Ephesians chapter 4. He gives us all of these different miracles in the first century, but eventually those miracles would cease because he gave us something so that we're not children. We're not tossed to and fro. We're not thrown about with every wind of doctrine. But we have a Bible in our hands that has the one truth in it, and we have the ability to find that one truth. Then last week, we looked at the fact that if we're going to search for that one truth, what it means is that you and I are going to have to change, that we're going to have to be different, that we cannot continue to live for ourselves. We cannot continue to give into our own passions, our own desires, our own wants, and our own opinions, and say that we are following God. Because the fact is that when we do that, what we come up with is what is in Acts chapter 17. All these different religions trying to do the same thing, and even though they make us feel good, even though they, they fill the hole that God has placed in us just enough to make us content, they don't do the job. I mean, the reason why so many people are in false religions today is not because they just hate God and they feel like they want to do it their own way. It's because the fact is that what they have found fills the hole just enough and they don't ever keep looking. They say, well, I'm content where I am. And they never keep looking. And the fact is that we're supposed to change ourselves so that we can be more like God. And in, in order to do that, we have to continually look for how we can fit the Bible. It's Acts 17. Now, this week is an interesting week. You see, at the end of every year, I try to do a recap where we look at the past year. And you may have noticed that. Um, the, the, I, had a, I had a brilliant idea when Tony and I were sitting down to put together this sermon series across the two churches. I had a brilliant idea. You see, the fact is that our church is, is made up of a lot of younger families. And it's interesting that when younger families aren't from an area, they didn't grow up in an area, something happens. Round about the holidays, everybody leaves, Right? And so I had this brilliant idea. I'm going to do my yearly recap in October instead of December. That way everybody's here. The problem is I also timed it perfectly when it got cold and so everybody's sick. But anyways, all right, let's look at where we've been over this past year. And let's look at some Bible verses that will tell us what we need to do next. Okay, are you ready for that? Now, in Acts chapter 17... Right before Paul is on Mars Hill, right before Paul is about to give this, this speech about the fact that I, I know that you're very religious, but, um, but you, you're just content when you're really not looking for the truth. And I want to teach you about the truth. Before he does that, in Acts 17 verse 6, there's a problem because the Jews are mad at the Christians. And so Acts chapter 17 verse 6, they call together the people and they say, these people who have turned the world upside down, have come here also. Acts 17, verse 6. Now, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. The man who says it is trying to say it to bring reproach upon the church. And I'm not so sure that it's a good thing that the world sees us turning the world upside down. But at the same time, it is a good thing 
Because what they were doing wasn't just causing disruption just to cause disruption. What the Christians were doing was changing the world for the better because they were living for Christ on a daily basis. Now the catch is, this is why I had you turn to Acts chapter 4. In Acts chapter 4 is when this all starts. Acts 2, the church is established. Acts 3, another sermon happens that brings more people into the church. And then in Acts 4, the the Christians really start to realize what this difference means. Now that we're Christians, now that we're part of the body of Christ, and we're all different, and we think differently, but we've come to the same conclusion that Jesus Christ is Lord, and that He requires of us certain things, that we need to change our hearts and our minds. We need to change our lives. And then in Acts 4, something else happens. They start realizing, we have a church that's full of different people. We have a church that's full of rich people and poor people. And the poor people are really poor. In fact, in this period of Roman history, it's estimated that one in ten people was not just below the quote-unquote poverty line, but that one in ten people was in danger of dying because of lack of food. So the, the poor people in the first century are not like the poor people that we see in America, or at least the majority of the poorer people that we see in America. These people are third world country dying because they don't have food type of poor. But at the same time in the church, you have well-to-do people who used to be Jews who now have land and have money. And what do we do? We're, made up, we're making up this church. We're supposed to be all of one mind and we're supposed to be united. What do we do? And so Acts chapter 4, verse 34. There was not a needy person among them. For as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them and brought them, brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the feet of the apostles. And it was distributed to each one as any had need. Acts 17, you have the Jewish leaders saying that the Christians have turned the world upside down. How? How did the Christians turn the world upside down? How did they cause so much of a disruption in the way that the world thought and the way that the world acted and the way that the world worked by Acts 17 that people are using that as a way to try to bring reproach upon the church. Acts chapter 4, they were helping one another. They were selling what they needed to so that each and every person in the church was taken care of. But see, here's the catch. When you look at the church in the first century, in the book of Acts, and in the preceding and, and following books that were written, and you have a history of this new fledgling religious group that is led by the Christ that was crucified and rose again on the third day. And you see this this group of, of Christians now. They're calling themselves Christians because they took a word that people were trying to make fun of them with and they lived up to it. The people are trying to make fun of these people because they're little Christ, they're Christ-like. Look how horrible they are. And the Christians say, no, we're going to use that for our good. We're going to use what they make fun of us with so that we have unity, and so that we live for Christ. You have this group. Now the catch is, 
What happens? What happens if every single one of those people in Acts 4 don't do what they did? What happens if there's one or two Christians who hold out, who don't sell everything that they have when someone needs it? You see, a lot of times we think that the church is an organization that is bigger than every one of us. That, that the church does this, or that the church believes this, or that the church has done this in the past, or the history of the church. And because of that, we forget the importance of every single individual. You see, the only reason why Acts 17, the, the people there said that the church was causing the world to be turned upside down, was because of the actions of every single individual. In fact, one chapter later in Acts chapter 5, you have two individuals who step out and do something different. Ananias and Sapphira. You remember them, right? They take their piece of land, they sell it, they keep part of the proceeds, they take it to the apostles, and they say, this is how much we sold it for. Why does the Spirit take that so personally? Why does, why does Peter say, you've not lied to us, but you've lied to the Holy Spirit? Why does God take their lives in Acts chapter 4? Is it just because God hates someone who cheats on their taxes? Is it just because God hates the person who doesn't give enough money in the plate? No. It's because what was happening in Acts 5 was the action of, of two individuals had the potential to change the way the entire world saw the church. Because the church is not an organization that is above us or that is, that is somehow an umbrella term. The church is every single individual. And so the reason why God takes it so personally in Acts chapter 5 when Ananias and Sapphira lie isn't because he just hates liars. He does. But more importantly, it's because those two individuals had the potential to ruin the way that the world saw the church. And God wanted to make it very clear that it is the action of the individuals that determine the reputation of the church. It's the action of every, every single one of us. It's the action of every single person of the world over who claims to be Christ, Christians, and yet doesn't live up to it. So Philippians chapter 2, verse number 12. I think I have it on the screen here. Yeah, Philippians chapter 2, verse number 12. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only in my presence, but much more in my absence. He's writing. Now, let's set the stage real quick before we read the next sentence. Pause. Quit looking at the screen. Stop. Look at me. Hey, quick. Okay, you ready? He's writing to the church at Philippi that's supposed to be this blanket organization that is taller and bigger than every single individual, right? And so he says this, Philippians 2, verse 12. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Why does, when he's writing to a church, why does he say each individual should work out their own salvation with fear and trembling? Because it is the action of the individual that makes the reputation of the church as a whole. 
And so he, he stops talking to the group of Christians and he talks to every single individual Christians in one sentence and he says it's your job to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Does that mean that we all work it out in different ways? Yes and no. We all have the same responsibilities. But some of us deal with different problems and different temptations. And some of us have this problem or this temptation and the next person doesn't have that problem or temptation. And so it's my responsibility to work out my salvation with fear and trembling. And it's your responsibility to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. And if we do that, we meet in the same place. So, let's talk about what God wants from us. Are you ready? Proverbs chapter 3, verse number 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understandings. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your paths straight. Psalm 37, verse 23. The steps of a man are established by the Lord when he delights in his way. Though he fail, he shall not be cast headlong. For the Lord upholds his hand. Why did I read those two verses? Uh, Basically because of this. Those of you who grabbed a bulletin, if you didn't grab a bulletin, you need to grab one on your way out. In the bulletin, there is a little piece of paper. It's an insert. That's what we in the biz call them, insert. Okay? Are you ready? I want you to take that insert and fill it out. Realizing that every single person is different. And every single person thinks differently. And yet, if we work out our own salvation with fear and trembling, we will come to the same conclusion as every other person that is a part of the body of Christ. And also knowing this, that while God's plan for every person on this earth is that they become a Christian and that they be saved from their sins, and on the day of judgment, they receive the, the, the promise the inheritance that he has promised us of eternal life. Understanding that, we also have different ways that we can work. We all have different ways that we can do things. And so on that, that the top part, the white part, is just for you. I want you to answer that as truthfully as you can. Hang it up on your bathroom mirror or in your, on your refrigerator or put it in the front cover of your Bible. Here's the catch. You're only allowed to put it on the front cover of your, in the front cover of your Bible if you actually open your Bible. Okay? That's why I said put it on your, on your bathroom mirror or on your refrigerator. Because sadly, people in the world, most of them see the door of their refrigerator many, many more times a week than they see the front cover of their Bible. Take that white part, fill it out, and look at it. The bottom part. The red part, here's what I want you to do. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, says this. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Here's what I want you to do with the bottom red part. Write down your next step, whatever that next step is. Usually, usually at the end of the year, I hand out one of these and I try to guide you into something, right? I try, men, you might have noticed at the end of every year, I put a piece of paper on the back table and I say something to the effect of this. Write down what you're willing to do in worship and check one box that you haven't checked before. Y'all heard me say that before? 
All right, I'm not doing that this year. You pick your own next step. Maybe your next step is I just need to show up. Maybe your next step is I need to give more. Maybe your next step is I need to pray more or study more or something that is a personal nature. Maybe you know that your next step is I need to do blank. Insert blank. And then write that. And then underneath it, write how you're going to do that. Put your name at the bottom. Tear it off. And put it in the Q&A box. And all that's going to do is tell me how you need me to help you do your job. Sound simple? Okay. So, do that. Because what that's going to do is it's going to give you a personal goal. And number two, it's going to give me an idea of how the church needs to fit the goals. Okay? How, how I personally can help you fit your goals. Now, that being said, Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, says something about prayer. And uh, I just wanted to read two quick passages from the book of Luke that outline prayer in the life of Jesus Christ. Number one, Luke chapter 6. Jesus prayed before any big decision. In these days, he went out to the mountain to pray. And all night, he continued in prayer to God. And when day came, he called his disciples and chose, the, chose from them twelve, whom he named apostles. Before any big decision, maybe what you write on the bottom of that piece of paper is a big decision. Maybe it's just something that you know that you need to do because it's your next step. It's the next step in your faith to, to follow God. Maybe it's a big change. Luke chapter 3 verse 21, when all the people were baptized and Jesus had been baptized also had been baptized and was praying, the heavens were open. Before a big change, Jesus prayed. He's baptized now. He knows that his life is forever going to change because at the moment of his baptism, he didn't need the forgiveness of sins. What he was doing at the moment of baptism was showing that from this day forward, I am walking toward the cross. Before a big change, he prayed. Before a big decision, before calling his 12 apostles, he prayed. So, before you fill out that red part, spend a week in prayer. I don't want any of those red parts turned into that box today. Spend a week in prayer and then write down what you think you need to do next. Write how you're going to do it. Put your name on it. And then let me know so that I can help you. Because that's really the point of a preacher. Some people think that the point of a preacher is to stand up on Sunday and look pretty and use big words and fancy words. And I can do that. I could stand up here next week and preach a, a whole sermon on the pernicious problem of premillennialism, and I can alliterate, and I can triple alliterate. I actually have a sermon that's triple alliterated. Every point starts with a P, every sub-point starts with an S, every sub-sub-point starts with a C. But the fact is that the point of a preacher is to help you. That's my whole job, is to encourage you and to get you ready to do what you need to do. So, that's what you need to do. Now, before we do that, before I let you go, here's what I want to tell you. Um, it is very easy, as we talked about, to see the church as an organization that is an umbrella organization that, that is separate from each individual. And it's easy as members of the church to lose sight of the big picture, to lose sight of... Um, 
everything that is happening that is good because, because we, we focus on, quote-unquote, the church. It's easy to lose sight of what individuals are doing because we're too focused on what the church is or what the church believes or what the church is doing. So here's what I want to do. I made a chart. In 2018, this is projected, we will have 60 first-time visitors to the Warm Springs Road Church of Christ. We've already had over 40, and so I'm projecting that at the end of the year, we will see about 60. In 2018, we have six new family units. Now, Again, y'all know that, y- y'all that have been around Warm Springs Road for a while know that I am, I, I, I like stats, I like statistics, and so bear with me here. A family unit is just a group of people or a single individual, okay? You yourself can be a family unit, but if you have a wife and kids, then your whole family is a family unit, okay? We have six new ones this year. We have had a 10% increase in attendance on Sundays when, you know, sinus infections aren't starting and so forth. 30% on Wednesday nights. Maybe the thing that you need to write down on the red part at the bottom is just, I need to go to Wednesday nights more. We've had 30% more people on Wednesday nights than we have in past years. Um, This is another kind of, uh, it's, it's a rough number, but somewhere around 20 people who are not members of the body of Christ or who are not members of the Warm Springs Road Church of Christ who visit regularly with us. And by visit regularly, I mean they're here two or three times a month. Maybe the thing that you write on the bottom of your paper is I need to place membership because I've been floating from church to church for years and I've never really identified with the church. But... Here's where I am super, super proud of our congregation over the last year. Last month, we wrapped up a summer series. Y'all remember the summer series on Wednesday nights when I voluntold some of the men that they would be teaching on those Wednesday nights? You remember that? Do you know that the way a summer series usually works among congregations is you, you call preachers from all over the southeast or wherever your region is. You call preachers from all over the southeast and you put together about eight to ten weeks of incoming preachers from all over the place, from different churches, and you give them a topic. And did you know that our summer series is one that I've never seen done? I, I made it up. See, men preach sermons and taught sermons at the Warm Springs Road Church of Christ on Wednesday nights over the last year that have never done it before. We have people who are members of our congregation, our church family, who have started new initiatives basically because they saw things in our community that needed to be done that the church could fulfill. And so next year, well, really right now, we have a young adults Bible study that we've never had that's starting and going we have a youth ministry that we've never really had that's starting and going. We are, pr- we are working with organizations in the community to help them feed people that don't have food. 
We are working with um, organizations in this community who we're feeding people who have food but just need somebody to tell them that they love them. Did you know that once a month now our ladies are going to be feeding the families at the Ronald McDonald House? That's not... Listen, those people don't need food. They're not going hungry. But if you've ever had a family member in the hospital, you've ever had a child in the hospital, in the NICU, I've, I've never experienced it firsthand. But you see, I have had a child in the NICU before. And even though he wasn't related to me personally, I was terrified. I just met the kid. And I got scared. What if he doesn't make it? What's going to happen? I can't imagine being the parent, the biological parent of, the, of a child who is now sick and really sick. And so we're helping them, just giving them a chance to know that someone in the community cares about them. Um, the fact is that Warm Springs Road Church of Christ is on the brink of something truly, truly amazing. Churches don't see those kind of things happen in a single year. And I look forward to seeing what happens next year. The catch is that it revolves around the individuals. So take that piece of paper. Take a week. Do as Paul said and pray about it. Figure out what you know your next step is. And let's do it. And then, in a few years, do you know that the time frame that passes from Acts chapter 4, when the Christians start doing what they know they need to do, to Acts chapter 17, when the people say that the Christians have turned the world upside down, is not that long. About 15 years. Maybe in 15 years, people will be able to see the Warm Springs Road Church of Christ and say, uh, they've changed this city completely. They've taught the gospel to people. They've converted people. They've helped people when they're in need. They've helped people be encouraged. They've helped the world be turned upside down for Jesus Christ. But it, it, that cannot happen if the individuals just sit and say, I wish that the church would do this. It has to be each person making a decision. Here's what my next step is. And I'm going to do it. All right, I'll leave you with this. I'm done. I'll leave you with this. Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. We don't know what is going to come from the next year. Jesus could come back. But here's the catch. We do know that the good things that are happening in our congregation, in our church family, and in the church in our city, the great things that are happening... God is going to complete them if we, as the individuals, you see, he just said this, Philippians 1, 6, I'm sure of us that he who began a good work in you will complete it. But then the next chapter he says, is, but that him doing that is on the, the, the working out of each individual's salvation with fear and trembling. So, it's not a, it's not a feel-bad sermon. You know, sometimes I get up here and I try to make y'all feel like an inch tall. I don't try to, but sometimes that's the, maybe I'm in a bad mood that day. I don't know. 
I'm not trying to make you feel any warm and fuzzies. Here's what I'm trying to do. Let's get the job done together. And what we can do will not surprise God, but it will surprise us. So let's just work together. If you need to become a Christian this morning, we are going to lead a song of encouragement for you so that you can know that we want you to obey the gospel. It's the whole reason we do it. And because it's kind of awkward to watch someone walk down an aisle by themselves with no sound. So, we sing. If you need to become a Christian, you're ready to be baptized for the mission of your sins, maybe that's your next step. Maybe on that piece of paper, at the end of the week, you'll realize that what you need to do is just become a Christian. If that's the case... Don't write it on the piece of paper. Just call me. I'll meet you up here at any time of night, and we'll baptize you. But if you're ready to do that today, we're going to stand and sing a song of encouragement for you, and you can let us know while we do that.